Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours. And let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see, I will Welcome to Text Talk. We're so glad that you've joined us for this episode. As we are concluding an exploration of Acts chapter 10, what's our reading for today, Edwin? We're going to read the last couple of verses, starting in verse 44. I am reading from the English Standard Version. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Wow. So, I'm not sure we've read a sermon yet in the book of Acts that doesn't get cut off. Um, yeah, I'm just, that's just an observation. Uh, but even, I'm glad it doesn't work that way anymore. <laughs> you know, even when we were doing uh, Acts 8 uh, a few episodes back, uh, Philip was saying something, and it's the Ethiopian treasure who says, here is water, what hinders me from being baptized. It's, I wouldn't mind being cut off like that. It's actually the Ethiopian treasurer that, that interrupts him. And, and again, here's an interruption that, that would be fine, but as he is speaking, the Holy Spirit descends upon the, the hearers, the audience of this message, which is a Gentile audience, which is, uh, you know, Cornelius and his household and his friends. Oh, to be a fly on that wall, just to have been there to experience. I wish I could have seen Peter's face and the face of some of the Jewish Christians that were there with him as, as they were witnessing this and completely 100% amazed. They're, they're not expecting this. I'm wondering if Peter's face and a couple of those brothers that are with him looked an awful lot like those Jews did on the day of Pentecost when a mighty wind came rushing through and they showed up, but who's speaking in tongues? that day, Peter and the apostles, because the Holy Spirit had poured out on them. Yeah, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. He said they have received the Holy Spirit just as we just have. Just as we have. Just as just as happened on the day of Pentecost, just mm-hmm. as happened with the apostles. He says this, this is what's happened here. And so amazingly, here is Peter's conclusion. You know, Peter's conclusion is not, hey, these guys are saved. Mm-mm. Let's just move on. No, he says, if the Spirit would do this, who among us could say they can't be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? 
I see as well that the Holy Spirit, again, orchestrating all this, we pointed out in an episode or two ago how at the beginning of the chapter, the Holy Spirit speaks to Peter, I have sent these men, which means he had sent the angel, which means he's behind the vision. And now here is Peter where he needs to be, preaching what he needs to say, and the Holy Spirit pours out on these Gentiles. It is an affirmation of God that these people, I desire these people, these people are accepted into the covenant of Christ. Every bit of this for for the last three chapters has been preparing us for this moment, the moment to say, I'm looking at a Gentile and the Gentile wants to be baptized. You remember, you remember the last Gentile? He was a proselyte. At least it seems to be a Gentile proselyte, Ethiopian eunuch. What does he say? What prevents me from being baptized? That's right. Now Peter is essentially saying the same thing. What prevents these guys from being baptized? Not a thing. Just as the Samaritan sorcerer, That's right. Simon, Simon could right. be baptized. Just as the Ethiopian eunuch could be baptized. Just as Saul the persecutor could be baptized. And they all were. Right. He says, now I'm looking at these Gentiles. They're not Samaritans. They're not enemies of the kingdom like Saul. They're not uh, Ethiopians. They're not none of these things. They're Gentiles. They're straight up Gentiles. I've, it, I've, I've been saying these things, but I still never connected that Gentiles are allowed to be here. But now that this has happened, the spirit has been poured out on them. I realize this. They, too, can be baptized. The the whole tenor of this text is about the fact that they are allowed to be baptized into Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. And we know what baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is because we saw it in the very first case of baptism in Acts. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Mm -hmm. when this same person, Peter, Peter. was preaching, and he said, you guys all need to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That is exactly what he's calling for here. And by the way, we notice here that that baptism is a water baptism. It's water baptism, and we've seen that um, indisputably a couple of times before now. The same was with the Ethiopian treasurer. They're passing along the road in the chariot. Here is water. What prevents me? What hinders me from being baptized? So Philip and the Ethiopian, they got down. They went down into the water, and he baptized him. The water is an immersion. It is immersion in water. Baptism in Jesus' name is not merely a spiritual baptism, as some would have us believe. The baptism in Jesus' name, Peter here defines, we need to have water so that we can baptize these folks in the name of Jesus. And that's what they do. That is the baptism in Jesus' name, the one baptism that brings us into Christ, the one baptism that he authorized. And and we find that here. And these folks, even though the Spirit had fallen upon them, still needed that. That's a great point. That's a great point, that there is a time when a decision must be made by a person, I will be baptized into Jesus Christ. One of the things I think folks assert about this passage is, oh, because the Holy Spirit fell upon them, they must have been saved. Yeah. They, they must have been already saved. Otherwise, the Spirit could would not, could not do that. I, I do find it interesting that I get accused of putting the Holy Spirit in a box, of claiming that the Holy Spirit will only act the way I claim. 
And I sure hope I'm not doing that. What I want to do is look to the scripture and and see the scriptures box for the Holy Spirit, if you will. See what the Holy Spirit himself has revealed. I find it interesting that there's a whole host of people that will say that the Holy Spirit cannot pour out on somebody unless they're saved. Mm -hmm. I think the Holy Spirit can fall on anybody he wants to. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's happening here. Are they saved? No, they're not saved because they have not been baptized for the remission of their sins. And what we have is an exceedingly exceptional case, Mm -hmm. an exception to the rules, an extenuating circumstance where the Holy Spirit recognizes that these Jewish Christians will not understand that Cornelius, his household, and his friends can enter Jesus Christ until the Holy Spirit himself acts in an amazing way. And that's exactly what it produces. It does not produce Peter saying, oh, look, they're already saved. It produces in Peter saying, the Holy Spirit's going to do this. We need to baptize them. Who, who are we to withhold the water of baptism in Jesus' name from these people? Baptizes them in the name of Jesus. We're going to be talking about this, I know, uh, some future episodes uh, pretty quick when we look at Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 15 as well. This is a significant event, and we'll be uh, diving into more of the verses that perhaps help us understand it a little bit more clearly. But I think what you've said is exactly right, and the sum of it, that you do have the Holy Spirit working in a unique way to identify that God is in this, this is the will of God, that these people um, are candidates, if you will. These people are invited to make Jesus their Lord, to put Jesus on in baptism. All people are invited to this gospel. The kingdom of God is not limited to the Jewish people. It's not limited to a particular blood heritage. It is for all people of faith. As we've been walking through Acts, one of the things that we have noticed is the apologetic aspects, the evidentiary aspects of this, the things that constantly push us back to say, there's some questions here that I have to answer. Folks today want to say, I don't have to deal with these questions, but there's a series of questions that we have to deal with. What's the first one? 2,000 years ago, something happened on that Passover weekend. We have to answer, if it wasn't that Jesus was raised from the dead, then what was it that produced the Christianity that we have and all of this belief in the resurrection and and folks who, who don't normally believe in resurrection accepting it? We have to answer that question. What happened on that Passover weekend? One of the other questions we've recognized we've had to ask is, something happened on the road to Damascus to take a fellow like Saul as an enemy of the kingdom of Christ and turn him into the the greatest proponent. He went yeah. from opponent to proponent. Foremost preacher. Okay. So what happened? If, if it wasn't that he saw this vision, what prompted this? Because it certainly, it you know, it wasn't like televangelists today. And I think that's what a lot of folks, well, yeah, anybody would do that because that's how you get to be rich and famous. No, no. Televangelists didn't exist back then. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get fame and fortune. And Paul certainly didn't. So we have to ask that question. I tell you what, here's a third question. Something happened in Caesarea. Mm-hmm. Something happened in Caesarea that took a movement from among the Jews and made it a Gentile movement, a, a, a body of people from among the Jews. In fact, there's a period of time where it just looks like it is just another sect of Judaism, though we've seen it's branched out from that. And folks were starting to recognize you aren't just another sect of Judaism, even though you're all Jews. This is not just another sect of Judaism. This is something different. But now we've taken people who did not think Gentiles should be allowed, and now they're allowing it. And 
so much so that it even ends up becoming a very Gentile-dominated religion. We have to ask, what happened in Caesarea? It certainly gets there. Um, you know, I, I love church history, um, really any era. I, I really do enjoy history. Uh, and you're absolutely right as far as it getting into be a predominantly Gentile movement, particularly in the second century. Stop stop yawning through my history <laughs> comments. Well, Here's I, what I want to say. You'll yawn when I get to my grammar comments. I want to frame this, though. I want to frame this. So I, I think you're absolutely right. But how do you explain initially this church, this religious movement, composed of Jews and Gentiles? Um, and, and just like that. And, and it was in the first century in Antioch and, and these other churches and places that Jews did not have dealings with Gentiles. And something so uh, incredible happened that there is in little towns and major cities all around the Roman Empire, these congregations springing up of Jews and Gentiles together. And that, that is just a big of a deal uh, question socially. How in the world did that come about? And it's not an easy transition. I, I don't want to act like, oh, Gentiles got saved and it was just all wonderful and, uh, you know, rainbows and unicorns, as you were talking about the other day. No, there, there's unicorns, a lot of struggle. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> there's a lot of struggle there. Uh, but but they went through the struggle. Right. And, and that's, to me, the thing that, that causes you to say you have to answer this question. What even prompted them to go through the struggle when when the Jews... All of the Jews, there were none of the Jews who would want to go through this struggle, but something pushed them to say, we've got to go through this struggle. We've got to go through this transition. We've got to go through this rocky position of bringing Jews and Gentiles together. Something happened in Caesarea. And if it's not just what this tells us, we got to figure out what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Great apologetic question. So we're, we're wrapping up the end of the week here. I want to just remind you, we are praying for you. We hope that you will pray for us. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us any questions or comments. We'd love to know what you're learning from the text, whether you're reading Acts with us or you're reading something else, we'd love to know. Or if you have any questions, feel free to send those to us. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. It'd be great. We'd, we'd love to do a bonus episode just responding to questions or commenting uh, about some of the things that you're learning, but you got to send that in to us so we can do that. You can find more about that in our show notes. Andrew, wrap us up with a prayer. Our great God and Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this episode. Thank you, Father, for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the invitation to all people uh, to come and to know the forgiveness of sins and new life that is found in Jesus. Father, as we've been looking today at these scriptures, we see that there was the invitation to Cornelius and all his household to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I pray for any that are hearing this broadcast today and listening to this podcast, if they've not yet named Jesus as Lord and put him on in baptism, Father, that they would and do that soon. Father, we know that you are with us, and, and we pray that we might walk in your way and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.
Welcome to the Text Talk Podcast. Let's We're talk so about glad. it. <laughs> you are totally... You, oh, I know what you... I did that on purpose. I know you needed... You I needed, needed an outtake. You needed an outtake. Yeah, three weeks with no outtakes. I had to have one. <sighs> you, can, you can start whenever you want. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get to hear this at the end. Um, and three, two, one.